in this episode, yes, you did read the title of this episode correctly. I bring a new podcast guest into the balance room and Eric Seats lets us know what we can do when we can't really afford to bring our own band to an out-of-town gig. Don't worry, you can thank me later. Thank me later. Thank me later. everybody welcome to episode 39 of the balance room music podcast i am your host musician and producer ingrid wood w-o-o-d-e this podcast is available on itunes stitcher soundcloud and google play for you to subscribe to that way you don't have to wonder when is a new episode coming out you just get one notification letting you know there's something new for you to listen to inside of the balance room For my new and returning Balance Room listeners, welcome. I appreciate you for hitting play. This is, it's not a podcast just for music lovers or musicians. This is a podcast for creatives who already are or who have a desire to make a living from their creative side. So I share parts of my journey and sometimes I bring guests into the Balance Room such as today. They share parts of their journey. I just happen to be a musician. So the way I approach the podcast, the way I edit produce the podcast kind of comes from a uh, a musician's point of view this episode is actually coming out of a couple days after prince's birthday um his birthday's on june 7th so although technically you know he didn't he didn't celebrate birthdays but you know whatever it's just another opportunity for us to think about him um and appreciate him for everything that he contributed to our lives so rest in peace prince we love you we miss you most definitely now i already know that some of you all some of my listeners you all read that title and you were like what what is what is this episode um so i'm gonna do this intro slightly unorthodox a little bit out of sequence just for a second um so the new guest that i'm bringing into the balance room he goes by the rave and he is the founding member of a band called spells and curses and so like the holidays of last year so like november of 2016 he reached out about the podcast and um I immediately was like spells and curses what is this but then when I listened to his music I was like whoa like this I really like his music and I was like you know I would I would love to talk to you later on in the following year which is now 2017 so you know I listened to the music I love the music and <laughs> immediately when we start talking you'll hear in in a minute but his voice like he's a very he's a sweet guy and so I just I asked him like minutes into the conversations like has had he ever received any backlash from the name spells and curses? So I'm just gonna let him explain this very very briefly. That is such a funny question. You know I think it was our first year of playing live because we we st- we've only been a band for like two years and so we've or, or I should say we've only been a live band playing shows for two years. Okay. We've been focusing on mostly prior to that just like honestly I was just writing for myself. I wasn't really writing to release anything, mm-hmm. but um, when I did release album i got people interested in like joining up with with me to like take the music out to the world you know and playing it for people and when we started playing live i remember this one time we played at this like out outdoor kind of gig and after our set i (laughs) this is gonna sound so funny um after our set there was this like nice spanish lady that just walked up to me and she goes hello young man i go hi (laughs) and she goes can i ask you what why is your band name spells and curses what do you mean by that and I told her, oh, you know, I just think that, you know, 
music today has the power to, you know, elevate somebody's mood or, or, or depress it and, you know, make you make you work out harder or, you know, make you it just basically enhances your life the way, like, for example, somebody like Merlin back in the day. Obviously, it's it's fiction, but still, like if, if you go to like a wizard or whatever and he's like, give me a happy spell, give me a sad spell, give me a love potion or whatever. Yeah. They'd give you something and it would work kind of similarly to how I, I view today's music uh to be so for example if you want to if you want to you know get over a heartbreak um you'd probably turn on and listen to something somebody like you know the cure or whatever uh and basically it would more or less work you out of that funk and so it would work like a like a dis heartbreak spell Mm -hmm. and so like that i was trying just trying to explain this to this little lady and and she was just very polite and she was going "Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm okay so it has nothing to do with the devil, right? I'm like, not, not really, no. And she's like, okay, good, because you know that's that's serious stuff. That's forever. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get, I get it. Thank you. So, um, I so I mean, like, I wouldn't say that that's backlash, but that's that's as close as I got to backlash. But it was sweet. Yeah. She's adorable. Okay, cool. I'm glad we we did that because I know some of y'all are probably like, is Inky about to talk about spells? She's about to do some spells and curses. What is this about? But um, <laughs> but no. So that's the name of the band. So now that we've had this kind of unorthodox intro, I do want to have a go back on track. So I want to allow the rave um, to go ahead and properly introduce himself. So yeah, my name is Arnold, and the artistic name that I go by is the rave because it is sort of different sort of kind of entity that I try to tap into when I uh, either create, record, or write. So yeah, and in Spells and Curses, I pretty much handle the guitar duties and uh, vocal duties, obviously. And and pretty much everything else when, when I don't have a, a collaborator with me. For example, if I don't have anybody who can handle the drums or percussion, I handle it. If, if there's nobody around who can handle bass, I handle it. Or the way I should say Spells and Curses kind of works is that we just go along our journey so to speak and, and if I find a bassist that is just a sick player and is down with you know jamming with the band and creating something then they come on board and so then then they're they're in charge of everything bass and if I find a drummer they're in charge of everything percussion stuff like that so the, the, the goal I suppose the main goal is to build like a huge ass band where where everybody collaborates and, and creates the best the best thing you'd want to do as a musician I guess is um, let people who are are better than you contribute when people just come together to make something really special i think it usually tends to be the case that collaboration results something a lot more special and greater than when it's just one person all right so spells and curses they uh they actually have just put out a brand new project it's an ep it's titled sinful things and this episode is coming out on friday june the 9th their project their ep came out literally last friday on june the 2nd 2017 so in this episode we talk we talk about his journey uh, thus far uh, but we also talk a lot about the project about sinful things so without further ado let's go ahead and step into the balance room so my seven up story is actually a, a funny moment where um this was back this was back in high school and in high school i was in the jazz band and I, I was the guy to go to if you wanted something guitar related and by guitar related i mean if you needed a guitar player in your band if you needed um just anything anything to do with somebody playing guitar i was the guy 
Um, that being said, though, in high school, you're not necessarily the most confident person in your abilities because you're still more or less finding out your abilities and what they are and whatever. So while I knew I was good. I felt like I had to be a little a little bit quite a lot. Actually, um, I, ha- I had to be very modest about it because I have I hadn't been thrown for a loop quite at that point. So nobody nobody uh, gave me a challenge that I didn't meet. But I was aware that there that might happen or that, that that's a possibility that that could happen. And I remember then I think this was in probably May or April of the school year, they were doing the school play or actually no, it was before that. It was, it was probably a little bit before April, like March or something, where they were getting ready to do the school play and they needed a, a like a live band for the school play and they were holding auditions and stuff. And I just remember going like my friends were all auditioning and, and they were making it through and they were like, you should, you should do it. You should do it. And I'm like, I don't think I, I don't think I'd be good at that. Like I, I, I'm not, you know, I don't know. I, I just, I just had a lot of doubt in myself. Not really sure why. I can't even tell you why. I think it was actually looking back. I think it was because like it was a lot of um, sheet music and and knowing when the cues are and all that stuff. And I mean, I could read music and I I could follow cues, but for some reason, everything being like live scared the hell out of me. Like if you mess up, you mess up, and everybody will hear it. And you not only mess up and ruin the music, you kind of ruin the play. So I think the fear of that was really like really really kind of debilitating for me a little bit. And so I remember just talking about it with my music teacher, Mr. Jordan, who's probably, I'd say, yeah, he's a very, very important figure in my, in my, I guess, musical development. And I was telling him about this and he goes, you should do it. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you should do it because you have an idea of what your skill level is. You have an idea of what you can contribute and what they need. And it seems to be in line. I'm like, yeah, but what if I do this? What if I mess up? And then I ruin the play and et cetera, et cetera. He goes, that's not your call. You should audition. And you should never basically I remember the exact words he told me was and I will remember this my whole life. It's more or less how I uh, carry carry myself when it comes to making any kind of really, really serious decision where you, have, you sort of have to put yourself out there. He, he basically went, let them be the ones to say no, meaning if there's a, an opportunity that you have and you're not sure if you can deliver or you're not confident in yourself, do it. Just go for it and and let the quote-unquote uh gatekeepers be the ones to say no don't tell yourself no because it's kind of like that jordan quote where you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take so let them be the ones to say no and and i had that in the back of my mind i was like okay i'll do it i'll do it and i was really doing it out of respect for him because i didn't want to i didn't want to because like i respected him so much that i didn't want to go like yeah yeah i got you i hear you thank you thank you for the advice and then not audition so i auditioned and i got i got in i got the part not the part, the, the the position, and I played um, that year and the year after in the band. So for the for the play, and that was a really cool experience. Uh, so yeah, I mean, ever since then, that's that's kind of been how I've been been more or less carrying myself when it comes to deciding on whether or not I should or should not apply or or apply myself. I guess I should say to a a opportunity or challenge that might prove to be <laughs> a little bit more difficult than I'm comfortable with. When I was doing or doing work on my first album, and again, it wasn't really meant to be released as an album. It was just meant for me because I was going through some stuff and I just needed to get a lot of emotions out of me and whatever, work it out. And so I remember being in, in my basement and just like recording 
songs, just a lot of songs, a lot of songs that didn't even, didn't even release. And I remember the ones that I didn't release were mostly instrumental kind of stuff and didn't have me singing. And I was like, you know, I, I also have some songs that I want to wanna sing on as well. I was like, okay, well, let's see what I got. And so I, I picked one song that was the simplest song. And by simplest, I mean how it was arranged. It was uh, very, it was just guitar and vocals, just guitar and vocals. And I was like, okay, I should be able to do this. So I put the mic in front of me, set everything up, and I started playing guitar. And I started singing, and it was like, ah, no, that's not it, that's not it, that's not it. And then I'd sing a little bit more, and I'm like, oh, that's better. And then I, I sang the whole song, and I listened back to it, and, and it was just awful. Like, I probably did maybe, I want to say, like, three full takes of the full, whole song, right? And then I was like, I can't, this is not coming out right. This is not working. I got this all wrong. And I was really kind of losing hope in my ability to capture my own voice, capture how, how I want to sound when conveying emotions vocally in addition to musically. So I, I was just losing hope. And so I kind of just took a break and I started just going on YouTube, as you do when you want to procrastinate. And I was just going through videos and whatever and just trying to get, uh, I don't know, pick up some last minute inspiration. And then I think I was maybe YouTubing like great singers or something like that. It, it was probably a bad idea actually because uh, each singer that I was coming across just blew me away and I was like, I can't do that, that's crazy. And then I, I stumbled upon, and I don't know uh, exactly what song it is, and that's terrible because I should, but I stumbled upon a video that had uh, Amy Winehouse, and it was just her singing about, uh, I think, I don't, I don't remember exactly exactly what song it was, which is terrible because I am a fan, but um, I, I don't want to, you know, attribute a song to it that, that's inaccurate. But anyway, she was singing a song, and it was, it was like a, a heartbreaking song, and it was, I think it was from some sort of like, news clip interview where while she was singing there's people talking about how great she was and whatever and one of the things that i think it was like tony bennett or something who's talking as well he was going like yeah she was a jazz singer you can't teach that and the most important thing was that she was singing from her heart and she actually meant every word even if the i think he said something like if the note doesn't come out right it's it still doesn't matter because it's from the heart um but amy's notes always sounded right and i was like that's interesting because like you hear you hear stuff that are kind of cliche like that all the time like you know sing from the heart mean it and you know don't worry about the performance or whatever just like lose yourself into it and you're like oh, okay thanks that's that's cool that's that's kind of stuff you brush off your shoulders like you know eat your vegetables every day and go to sleep for seven hours or whatever it's like i got you but for some reason at that moment it was exactly what i needed to hear um you know the whole sing from your heart sort of uh, make it come from your truth etc and I just watched the rest of her performance and I was kind of blown away by her, by her and her ability to really like, even if you don't understand her, what she's saying, because sometimes she, with jazz singers, they kind of, they kind of over enunciate their words a little bit in a really, in a really cool way. And, and she did it in a really sexy way. But um, even if you like lose your train of thought and you just get lost in the melody of what she's singing, you still, you still felt it. That's kind of what I took from it. And then like, I remember just, 10 minutes later or whatever just going like okay let's give this one more shot and so i i tried i don't want to say mimicking her but just mimicking sort of like the same kind of agony that i heard in her song uh in 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 my recording for this song and then i i recorded it and i listened back to it and it was really it was it was very um kind of haunting and i, I really liked it it wasn't what I initially would have liked for it to sound like because I, I always want myself to sound like people who I'll never sound like, like like freaking Stevie Wonder or whatever. Um, but it was it was something that was that was 
special because it was something that I didn't know I could do. Because up until that moment, I haven't record, I never recorded myself with uh, guitar and vocals. And hearing it back and going like, okay, that's actually good. I think I could do this for more songs. And it was the first song I recorded, like I said, for, with vocals. That song was later put on the album, and it's it's Blackbird. It's the song that uh, we put. I made a music video for. Um, and it's a very important song. And it's probably a, a lot of people I, I might think like, you know, it's a bit of a weird song to have a music video for when it's your first single and your first music video. But it, it was a very important uh, moment in my life as an artist and sort of like the genesis of Spells and Curses and what it could be. It all started from that song. And then every other song on that album got recorded because I was I was I gained confidence after recording that song. So Blackbird, Office of Dodd, which is our first album, is is probably the most important song I've ever recorded. Uh, I have two, actually. Um, one is this this app that I had back when like apps were just starting out. This is like a really, really like archaic caveman kind of app where it's called vocal scaler and it was made probably in like 2010 or something and it's this really just you know simple simple rudimentary vocal exercise app where it just basically plays like a major scale in, in a whatever key and i've been using that since the first album to just warm up my voice and uh it's just so uh it's so like exactly what I need. It's no frills. It's just <laughs> go to, and it's the perfect thing to like vocal. Uh, sorry, uh, warm up my voice. That I've had it on my phone. Like there's, it's not even in the app store anymore. So I've had to like go to like the internet and like the dark parts of the internet to find out like uh, if anybody has has the installation files for. I think it's called the APK for uh, your phone. Um, because again, it's such an old app, but it's just so perfect for me in, in terms of just its simplicity and it does exactly what I need to do. And, and at the end of the day, that's, that's kind of what anybody really needs from their app is just, you know, deliver what you say you're going to deliver. Because a lot of, a lot of vocal apps uh, are just so weird because they, they'll give you like a, a few vocal exercises or whatever. And then they'll say, if you want the rest, pay us a couple of, you know, dollars or whatever. And it's like, eh, okay, okay, yeah. Um, so yeah, Vocal Scaler, great app. One of my favorites. Um, and then the new thing, the new little uh, piece of technology is last week, I went over to the city because I found this pedal. Um, it's a wah pedal. Uh, it's called the uh, Bow Press. It's, it's made by um, a company called Hotone. It's, it's pronounced Hot Tone, but I call it Hotone because it's H-O-T-O-N-E. It's supposed to be Hot Tone and the T in Hot is supposed to be shared with the T in Tone, but I call it Hotone. Um, cause it's cooler that way. And it's a really, really cool wah pedal that, um, I've, I've, I've never really been a wah pedal guy when it comes to guitar, but I measure myself to Prince and Prince always used a wah. And so I've been trying to, and a really cool thing about this wah pedal is that it's purple. Yes, sir. Uh -huh. And so I've been, um, more or less just really, really, uh, experimenting with, uh, adding that sort of color palette to my arsenal and just really expressing myself a little bit more with the wah pedal. I've never played with a wah pedal uh, prior to this, but I'm, I'm really starting to like it because before when I, and this is, I guess, more for the guitar geeks out there, um, wah pedals are more or less kind of like a, their own separate instrument. You know, um, they have their own field. Each, each wah pedal has their own sort of 
envelope and frequency range that they attack. And whenever I tried to uh, tried other wah pedals, they always sounded uh, a bit. Um, I don't know. They they sounded a little flimsy, or there's just always something wrong with the sound for me. But when I tried this one out, it was it was like the first time when I was like, okay, I I kind of get this now. This makes sense to me. And so I got it, and I've been yeah, I've been trying it out, and I'm really excited for uh, what crazy noises I could come out with this. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to playing more solos with it. Okay, we're about to get into the Ask EC segment. If you have a business music question or anything in between, you can email those questions to eric at thebalanceroom.com, E-R-I-C at thebalanceroom.com. And of course, you can always ask those questions on any of the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can find us, uh, just look up the Balance Room Music Podcast and we should pop up. And if you want uh, to remain anonymous, no worries, just let us know. Shout out to the balance room. What's up? This is E Seats. Ingrid Wood was good, little sis. Question is if I'm a local artist and I want to perform outside where I live, but I don't have the budget to bring the musicians I play with with me, how do I go about finding musicians in different cities to perform with? Unquote. I would say word of mouth. Um, nine times out of ten, if you know a musician somewhere they know a bulk of other musicians in the same place or the same area so thank god for social media and the resources that we have so i guess it's it's um a thing of your focus and what you how you utilize social media because you know you might not know someone directly but you might see a youtube clip of them jamming out on whatever instrument it is and like their feel and see where they're located and just inbox or direct message and, and, and get some moving on that because I'm doing that a lot myself. So it doesn't matter what, what you're coming from, what accolades or different things like that. It's an ever-changing, evolving um, world out there. And so in music, um, if, if I couldn't afford to take my band, I would really just post um, ahead of time of the gig, especially if you can as much notice as possible to say, hey, I'll be in New Jersey on such and such date. Um, to be playing here and here's my style of music and if you are interested and hit me up send me a clip and let's work you know a lot of stuff works out like that Um, if you like it you like it you can respond if you don't you don't have to respond Um, but there's ways and like I said word of mouth so your other musician friends around the country asking around um, I even go and type in just a bunch of people I admire and I'll send them a a message myself hey I'm, I'm producing a record I'd love if you play bass on that. How much do you charge or what's your fee and blah, blah, blah. Let's work out the logistics and, and get it done like that. But there's a way to, there's a way to do that without needing uh, management to put that team together for you or something like that. Um, if, you're, if you're really passionate about what it is that you're doing, you probably want to handpick those, those musicians yourself anyway. So, Or you can be clever enough to put together East Coast or West Coast band. <laughs> you know, if you're in the middle of the country and you're going to be on one side, you know, there's just different ways. So social media, um, depending on what you feel like looking for, it'll provide answers to. So if you type in the right thing, you end up with the right 
at least in the arena of searching out a musician that you could possibly use and team up with to play. So I hope that's helpful. And that's just my opinion. I'm Eric Seat. Shout out to you, Peace Seats. And I'm out, love. And I'm out, love. Who are some of your your influences? Could be music, could be art, could be business, but I could I could say it in one word, and it's 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 the man, the myth, the legend. It's Prince. You know, I was always I was always looking for as a kid new music to to really just blow me away, new music to just really kind of like challenge me. And back as a kid, when you're learning guitar, at least I was this way. I treated it like a sport. I didn't really get into the artistic side of it until like maybe college. But back in like high school, it was always a sport. Like, let me see who's the fastest, you know, some gonna who I could like kind of see if I could do that. So I treated it like a sport and I always tried to get better and better and better. And then it got to a point where after a certain song, I remember the song that I heard and it was this crazy neoclassical metal song. And I was like, yeah, I kind of got to a point where I realized that there are players who are fast and then there are players who are super fast. And then there are players who are just ridiculously fast who dedicate their lives to that. And I was like, I don't know if I want to dedicate my life to just, you know, being a crazy, crazy guitar wizard, whatever. Um, so at that point I started going back into my discography or more or less starting to really sort of vibe with uh, songwriting and, and emotional storytelling or whatever. And I just remember coming across uh, this album that I got, from the public library like when I was 14 and it was the gold experience by Prince and I was like man you know I always like I like this album um and I, I respected it uh because of its diversity and all that stuff and so I was just going back through it and listening to it and 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 it, it just blew me away just how much he was able to do and how much how visionary he was with that album and with a lot of his other albums and you know, as an, now now that I'm sort of tr in, I guess, in the same industry, trying to release my own work and whatever, I do strive for the same level of quality as as he achieved. And to me, you know, Prince is is the, the benchmark. He's the guy who you you know you'll never hit. You'll you know you'll never get there. But you're always if you if you always try, if you always at least keep him as the north star, you know that you'll always keep going. Because you'll never get there, but even though even like those increments that you get close to becoming, even in, in, slightly resembling his genius, those are I think what what defines you as an artist. Like for me, my identity as an artist is it comes from my failure to be Prince in the ways that Prince was Prince. So every way that I'm not Prince, I'm me. If that makes any sense, and and uh, again, like he is he is so pro prolific and and and. Man, like I have, I have the biggest crush on him. He's just such a uh, a beautiful soul, you know. Yeah. Great musician. Like I, I, I always sound like a like a, a fan fanboy whenever I talk about him because I can't like I can't sound cool and talk about Prince. I just can't do it. No, Prince is the greatest. You don't Absolutely. Apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> what would you want uh, new listeners to know about what what is sinful things? What can we expect? Um, and I know everybody's experience is going to be different, but what, mm -hmm. what do you think, um, what can you tell us about sinful things? We made, and by way I mean the professor, my drummer and I, we made a conscious effort to go completely left of Sudad, which is the first album. We had a certain sound and a certain vibe uh, with Sudad that, that worked and sounded beautiful, um, but I didn't want to make Sudad number two. I have no intention of making any kind of sequel to any any kind of album that I ever make. It's always about moving forward and creating something new. And so with this with this album, 
the main thing we wanted to uh, get across was our live sound because when we started doing for example the tri-state tour we started playing we started playing shows like i said in the tri-state area and whatever uh and we would basically play those songs off sudad and it didn't necessarily sound like sudad it sounded like a live band playing sudad which isn't a bad thing because both iterations and both sort of reinterpretations sounded great um but it was a different energy it was a different energy that was more alive right where sudad is more somber and kind of darker we kind of brought some life into it which is and it was an interesting sound for me again because it was you know those weren't songs meant to be played live so with this uh with this album these are definitely songs that are meant to be played live and when i just when i would describe the arrangement i would say that it's both simple and complex it's simple because you will know what instruments you're hearing right there there aren't there aren't too many weird sounds going on there's some but not too many like in comparison to like sudad um you'll know when you hear the guitar you know when you hear bass you know when you hear drums but so like in that in that aspect it's simple but in terms of the general sort of sonic frequency and the landscape of everything it's just so much more wider and bigger and just covers up a lot more of the sonic sphere that you're going to be hearing in that sense, in in terms of like building building that wall of sound, in that sense, it's it's a lot more complex and a lot more dense. Uh, so I would tell people that this is spells and curses as we sound live when we are playing rock music. Again, with the last album, it was it was very eclectic, right? It it was it had had some laid back kind of R and B songs, some rock songs, uh, some more songs that are for easy listening. Uh, some electronic in- instrumentals. This one, you know, and th- that's something also that I wanted to um, temper, I guess, a little bit more was that we do we do have uh, a lot of versatility in in our ability to perform and, and, and write. But um, I wanted to make sure that people know that what we're doing at the end of the day is more or less trying to sort of recontextualize, uh, recontextualize rock music. And so this, I feel, this album is sort of our ticket to the ball. And what I mean by that is it's it's a rock album and it's it's clearly intended to be a rock album. And by by creating this creating this album this way to sound this way, it's sort of our way of saying like okay, so the albums after this are going to be where we think rock should go and how it should sound and and all that stuff, but this is is sort of like rock as you know it just turned to 11. So that's what I basically mean by when I say like, it's sort of like our, our bragging rights album where it's like, you don't think we could play rock? Listen to this. And and the reason I say that is because it does have, I guess, certain things that you would consider to be sort of standard stereotypical conventions in, in rock music just turned to 11 or maybe flipped on their head a little bit so that it's still it's still approached in a unique way and presented in a in a 21st century kind of light but it's 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 new yet familiar at the same time so the best way i would describe it to somebody is just expect a huge wall of sound that is a lot more intense and just alive sounding than Swadad. And when is this coming out? This ep- your episode will probably come out the week of or the week after it comes out. But when is when is um when is Sinful Things coming out? Sinful Things is coming out on June 2nd, which is a Friday. Uh, it's going to be available on like Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, all that stuff. And then the actual CD is going to be released um, June 3rd at our CD release party at the Bitter End, uh, which is a legendary venue that had like Lady Gaga, Stevie Wonder play there. Um, so we're going to be having a CD release party there on June 3rd, which is the day after. 
how what was the time frame like how long did it take for you to put this together you know from the very first song to even the mastering oh boy um okay well I guess like the initial rough tracks and demos and all that started late 2015 so like November December of 2015 but we were already like also doing like a, a tri-state tour so we were it was hard going between uh going from play show modes to you know record song mode and it, it's the two different hats that you can't wear at the same time at least I can't um it, it required they're two in my opinion they're two different disciplines that you can't necessarily excel at the same time and by the same time I mean like literally the same day uh it's something that you have to focus on one completely or the other completely to really sort of give your all to mm -hmm. and so when I was when I was doing the demos in 2015 I was like, okay, let's put this on, on rest for a little bit and finish out the tour and then take pick things up from there and, and take it from there. And so beginning of 2016, we started, I guess, around February doing, no, a little after February because we had our, our, our last show on that tour. Um, so after February of 2016, we started laying down tracks, um, doing, doing you know, the principal recordings. And, and for one reason or another, the performances that were being captured weren't quite there yet. So it took perhaps, I'm going to say, from February until this past August or September. Yes. for Okay. So like August, from February to this past August. No, September. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get the dates right. So from uh, February to this past uh, September, we got the instrumentals all done, like completely perfect. And then it took until probably, I want to say, January before I really got comfortable with the vocal performances because the vocals are something I kind of hound myself over. Um, and and that took a while. So I guess from 2015, December to 2017, January was just recording everything. And then by the time we did the vocals uh, and background vocals and all, got all that done, it was, uh, it, was, it was just a matter of finding somebody to mix it. Initially, the whole plan was like, I was going to mix it and I was going to master it the way, the way I did uh, the, the first album. Um, but then I just looked at the well. I started working on on one song, uh, the single, which we have a, a music video out for, Mercedes. Um, I started mixing that one, and what happened was it that took me quite a while to to mix. And when I was done mixing it, it, it was like it was a great moment because like yeah, I finally did it. And then I looked over to the sh the list of of other tracks, and I was like, oh great, now I have like six other tracks to mix, as well as this entire backlog of of songs that, and ideas that I want to record as well for like future releases and stuff. And I was like, this is not going to work. Um, I I at that point kind of realized that I needed uh, to bring someone in to sort of uh, outsourced mixing to because I could not I couldn't handle being the artist and the mechanic more like more or less it's, it's again like just like how uh recording and live performance requires two different hats mixing and and recording you know and songwriting even they're completely different skills and it's it's quite taxing to do everything uh so i just was looking and for a while actually looking for somebody who could uh mix these tracks and and do a great job and then that took probably probably like three months find somebody who's solid uh, and not only solid but just understands the vision of what this album was supposed to be and we went through a lot of mixers we actually can i curse on this podcast yeah. by the way mm -hmm. okay because we actually had one guy one mixer who who tried out for um 
I guess, but with the test mix, uh, uh, mixing for us, one guy just tell us, you guys are fucking crazy. There's no way anybody's going to mix this the way you want it. Because um, this record is a lot bigger and grander um, in terms of like its size and scope. Uh, it has like one track has like 62 guitars on it, you know? So, I mean, like, it's no joke. Um, so we got a lot of people who either quit, <laughs> told us we're crazy or, or tried it and, and didn't really hit the mark. Um, and so what I mean, like I asked everybody, everybody on my Facebook list, uh, my friends list, and I asked uh, people on Craigslist. I looked all over the Internet. Long story short, we, we found a mixer who was uh, very capable. His name is Ben Shiggle. He killed it. He, he got the exact sound we were going for. He understood the vibe and the intensity and all that stuff, the aesthetic. And then we had it done. And, and then um, when it was time to master it, we were like, well, I felt like I, I could probably save us some time by my mastering it myself, and I did. So I'd say from, let's see, so if we started recording December 2015, then we finished recording, I would say, probably end of, no, beginning of, well, mid-April of this year. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, so it was, it was, a, it was a long, long time. <laughs> Is that thing, too, you know, like when you're, and I don't want to say necessarily first starting out, but when you... Um deliberately do something and it's like your first time right yeah really doing it you know it's you only think of not only think of it's it's no thing for you to do everything to wear all these different hats but eventually you know um you kind of realize like sometimes it's it's okay to find somebody else to mix this or it's, it's just like what you said at the beginning with the with the band members like it's okay to create something great and to have people who can interpret it um bring your bring your vision to life because that's like that's their specific area you know yeah you're 100 percent right about that and that's that's something that i've been more or less kind of um drilling into my own head because i mean you're absolutely right about letting people contribute their uh expertise to something that you're not necessarily an expert on uh right because like i'm not an expert mixer so i mean i could do i could i could probably get what i want from a mix but it'll take me maybe twice as long as somebody who actually knows what they're doing and the whole thing about this ep like you said was like this is kind of like the first time where we were recording with an actual with the actual intention of releasing this to people right whereas the first album like i said was just me recording for me um this one is is one where we're actually like going out of our way to present this in a kind of polished way where it's like this is a concentrated effort um so learning how to give up or let loose of certain reins and you know give some control to some other people as well it was, it was a learning process for me as well but i mean like the end result i think speaks for itself and i think we got a really beautiful piece of art all right so it's about that time within the podcast where i share my tear of the week so for my new balance rumors uh my tear of the week it's t-a-r-e it's a it's a scientific term where you tear the balance back to zero you set it you calibrate it back to zero so towards the end of each episode i like to set the balance room back to zero by sharing something that balances me out in preparation for the episode to come so my tear of the week for episode 39 is spells and curses it's their new ep it is sinful things. I have I've been listening to this album uh, all week. Well, actually, yeah, all week. Um, I really really like it. I like I like it sonically. It's like about forty minutes long, so I mean it's a cool uh, backdrop to a car ride. Um, like if you're taking a walk, um, 
if you're working out, I don't, I don't do too much working out. I need to, but, um, (laughs) I could imagine this would be something good to listen to while you're working out, but it is, it's a great project. It's, it's a lot of dynamic. It's not one way all the way through. It's not like the same song six times. Uh, the song that's actually playing right now is from Sinful Things. This is a song called Las Vegas Angeles. <laughs> and when I love it cause, cause it gives me that feeling of like Las Vegas. So, um, but yes, my tear of the week is Sinful Things by Spells and Curses. I'm going to put within the podcast description where you can purchase this album, um, and everything Spells and Curses where you can find all the information, follow them, keep up with them, support them if you are not sure where your podcast description is in whatever app that you are listening to that's perfectly okay it's all right you can just go to the website thebalanceroom.com look for the respective episode in this case episode 39 and all that information will be right within there while you are there at the website make sure to sign up for the balance room newsletter i don't bombard you with a bunch of emails i <laughs> i promise uh, to arnold aka the rave i appreciate you now normally i say i appreciate you for accepting my invitation into the balance room but really it was me accepting your invitation to this conversation so i appreciate you for uh for for wanting to have this conversation with me um and you know what i want to i want to bring you back uh, in the fall. So I want to give, give you some time for this, this project to come out for you all to perform. Um, and there, there's some parts of the conversation that I held back, uh, because I wanted to save it for after we have a conversation after a few months and, and, uh, and edit it with that particular episode. So I'm going to bring you back in the fall. Um, and I'm excited for that to see what's going on with you. Then I definitely want to make sure that I thank you all the listeners. I mean that when I say, I appreciate that you all hit play. I appreciate your support. This podcast is made for, and it's made possible by you all the listeners. Um, I appreciate everything that you all do. The conversation, uh, the emails, the sharing, um, you know, I, I appreciate you all, especially like people like Mel and Anita and Rhonda, Sadia. I thank you all for always sharing every time uh, and on different outlets. <laughs> I appreciate y'all for sharing the Balance Your Music podcast. I'm closing out this episode with sounds from Spells and Curses latest project, Sinful Things. Make sure that you all go and pick that up. Until next episode, this is Ingrid Wood. Even when I'm gone, my voice will still be here. Make sure that yours is as well. Take care, God bless, and stay balanced. This is The Ray from Spells and Curses, and you're listening to the Balance Room Music Podcast.